Hey everyone, this Halloween we're hosting a virtual live show with our good friends over at Colt Podcast. This double feature is part of a Panic Fest online tricks and treats event. Because of the pandemic, a lot of us aren't able to properly celebrate our favorite time of year. However, now we have an opportunity to have some spooky fun and help out some friendly folks in Kansas City. 25% of each purchase goes to help keep the Screenland Armor, one of our favorite theaters in America, in business. Additionally, we'll be releasing some limited edition merch. So from now until Thursday, October 8th, you could pre-order your own piece of Horror Virgin and Cult Podcast history. Tickets are on sale now for $20, and our shirts are available for $25. However, we're offering a bundle yeah. for $40 where you get both. It's going to be so much fun, and we can't wait to see all of you there. More information is available at cultpodcastshow.com. Remember that these shirts are super limited edition and are only available for pre-order until October 8th. So see you all soon, and keep it spooky. Keep it ooky spooky. Consequence Podcast Network. This episode brought to you by the following patrons. Tristam, Kate, Isaac, Ori, Matthew, Karun, Eddie, Nick B, and Chris. But this week is also brought to you by the following you-can-get-it-level patrons. First, William. Then Brandon. And Dave. Megan. Daisy. Keep up the good work, one. <laughs> John. Uh, and Morgan. And Nick. A, a different Nick. A different, a different Nick. Nick. Nick S. Yeah. And Kaylee. Uh, Mandy. And Mandy. And Nicole. And Scott, who's super cool. Oh, are they all not super cool, Mikey? Scott's especially super <laughs> cool. <laughs> Jennifer. Kayla and Aaron. And the lovely Veronica. So thank you guys all so, so much for supporting the podcast the way you do. And Chris and all the patrons want all of you to know that you are welcome, you are loved, and you are listened to in this awesome, awesome Horror Virgin family. And thank you guys so much for being a part of it. Whether you uh, subscribe to the Patreon or just listen weekly, we really, really appreciate you. And if you want to hang out with us on a day-to-day -day basis, join that Facebook group. If we just sit in the dark, it won't hear us, and all we have to do is just be perfectly quiet theme music. Don't make a noise. <laughs> Don't be <make> music! <laughs> <laughs> like a child dummy that someone swung around the room with as it was attached to their neck. And I'm bummed that I didn't get that. I'm so tired of people not killing children monsters. <laughs> I'm not going to stand for it anymore. <laughs> oh, thank you for listening to Horror Virgin. I'm Paige. I'm Mikey. And I'm your Horror Virgin Todd, which means I don't like scary movies, but you guys make me watch them. And this week, the listeners actually made me watch the 2007 found footage film, Wreck. Wreck. Yeah. Did this movie wreck you? It did. This movie scared <laughs> the shit out of me. And I watched it last night with Natalie. And Natalie is not at all phased by scary movies. And I super, super am. So like halfway through it, when it was like really ramping up and getting scary, she was like, oh, I'm falling asleep. And legit <laughs> fell asleep like right at the end of this movie at the scariest time. I was so like shamed oh. by my own fright. <laughs> you, you, you might say she got tired of your shit, Todd. One would assume that that would have happened a long time ago, so maybe she's just immune, which, I mean, plays out for me because I way outkicked my coverage with her. 
But so, Mikey, have, my page. I don't need you nodding your head at that. That's not something you should agree to. <laughs> <laughs> Mikey, have you seen this movie before? No, I saw Quarantine. I thought I meant to see this, but I just never did. I guess Quarantine is the remake of this movie, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I knew this movie was in Spanish, so I thought I was going to be reading like a subtitled movie. Same. But I couldn't find the subtitled version of the movie anywhere. Yeah, we should address this right up front because I literally bought this movie twice on YouTube and Vudu, and both of them were the English dub versions, even though it said it was Spanish language. I was very upset. I scoured the internet both legally and illegally and could not find the subtitled version. You dipped into the dark web. Yeah. Dub movies kind of bother me, but I kind of got into it like within 15, like after like 15 minutes so I could watch it. Honestly, I probably found this movie more scary than if we had watched the Spanish language version with English subtitles because I would have just read the movie and not really Mm -hmm. been able to pay attention to the jump scares and stuff. So I think this version probably scared me more than having to read subtitles. It definitely gets more scary as it goes. And I like oh, it, yeah. I guess. It was shot kind of like a found footage telenovela zombie story. But it is that. It's single camera and you are just following the cameraman's perspective the whole time until the very, very end when he dies and she picks up the camera. But yeah, I mean, so Paige, was this the first time you had seen it? This is the first time I had seen this movie. I was not super impressed by it. Really? Okay. Yeah. I mean, there are some things that I think this movie does very well. Yeah. And one of them is a commitment to the world. Oh, yeah. Where there's a lot of frustrating found footage movies where the camera goes places where a camera wouldn't be able to go. Or we're seeing scenes that were not taped on camera and there's just not as much commitment to it. And this movie is above all committed to their found footage story. They had a vision and they they went all in and I liked it. Unfortunately, I think that vision really writes them into a corner. This movie was also largely improved. That does not surprise me at all. You know, there are a few scenes that are specifically written, but I do think that that impacted it as well. For me, the frustrating part was that this movie was very predictable. And at a certain point, it became very, very obvious that no one was going to get out alive, which made me kind of stop caring. Because when you raise the stakes to a certain point, like you always want to heighten and raise stakes in a horror movie. Every time, that's what you want to do. But at a certain point, if you get to the point where your stakes are so high that they're impossible and it is obvious that no one is going to live, then it's no longer scary. Then you're just waiting for people to die. And this movie 100% gets to that point where I would say in the last 20 minutes, especially, you are just waiting for people to die. I would 100% agree with you, but this movie scared the shit out of me. But I I agree. It was predictable. I knew when jump scares were coming, the jump scares still terrified me. And I knew no one was going to survive. And still, the last 20 minutes were so tense for me. When people online have been saying, Todd, you're going to lose your shit at this one. And we were probably 30 minutes from the end of the movie. And I was like, this movie has not been super scary. There have been jump scares that got me up to that point. But the last 30 minutes, like, really amps it up and really scared the shit out of me, man. Like, I was literally in bed, like, covers up to my chin, freaking out. One of the big problems I have with horror movies is what you're talking about. Like, if I know everybody's going to die or if everyone ends up dying at the end, I don't like the movie because I think that's, like, a cheap way to end your movie. 
that's rarely done well. Except for Blair Witch Project. That movie scared me when I was a kid. Yeah, I was going to say, this is a lot like Blair Witch Project in that everyone that you care about in the movie dies, right? Yeah. Um, but the Blair Witch Project, and I haven't seen it since high school, but that one scared the shit out of me as well. Like, I, it just does not matter to me. Like, I understand your criticisms with it, and I think they're super valid, Paige, but I can know all that and still be super scared by the film. But, I mean, now, I hated this movie, but I, I understand why people that like jump scares like it. I did like that, unlike most zombie films, it was contained to one building, and it was like there was a bunch of people around, and it, yeah. it, was, it wasn't like the whole world was ended. So it was like different. Yeah, let's just jump into this movie, though, because it's definitely worth talking about. We open on a reporter in front of a bunch of fire trucks, and she's kind of bungling her intro a couple times. Yes. We hear sirens. She starts again. We find out that the name of her show is While You're Sleeping, which I was like, I kind of wish I was watching while you were sleeping <laughs> with Sandra Bullock. Yeah, it's a different kind of movie. Yeah, I was like, that's also a scary movie. Let's do it. I know, but that one's actually for romance in the pod, not this. <laughs> it is scary, though. We find out that she's going to be doing a kind of like a, a special episode where they're going to be following firemen on their shift. I got the impression that their show was based on people who work while everyone else is sleeping so like that's what i thought too they would have gone to like a diner that's open all night or but yeah it's like a day in the life show of these yeah. people that work third shift you might say right exactly so we cut to an interview with one of the firefighters and i think he's the captain he's yeah he's gotta be the chief or the captain and she's like just cut this because he looks like a terrible person. I was yeah, like, if he's a pain what? in the ass, cut this out. Yeah, yeah, she does that more than once. She's like super catty about who can be on her show or not. Just my type. Oh, she is literally <laughs> awful. One of the worst parts of this movie is the fact that we have to follow her the entire time because she is insufferable. <laughs> she is. She is so bad. I actually sort of liked her. What? Of course you would. I could not stand Stand her. I was rooting for her to die. That's how much I disliked her. In this <laughs> well, I mean, movie. you get what you asked for, I guess, Paige. I wanted her to die first. That's how much I disliked her. Here's the thing. Before anyone dies, I was already like, God, I hope she dies first. Because somebody's going to die. Who was your favorite character in this movie? The policeman who lives for a while, who's okay. trying to keep everyone under control. I'm going to say... Spanish racist Tim Curry. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> when we get to him, because he's nuts. But for a hot second, I was like, that's not Tim Curry, is it? Because, <laughs> and it was such a strange choice for the voice dub to basically make it like someone doing a Tim Curry impression. <laughs> yeah. I just hope he tried to do it once he saw the character look like Tim Curry. That has to be it. The, 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 like, I'm pretty sure they're like, here's who you'll be dubbing, and showed a photo, and he was just like, I see you shiver with anticipation. Racism. Yes. Just <laughs> <laughs> a racism. But let's let's keep moving through it though, because we got to get there. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. So she basically goes around and tours the fire hall. Yeah. This place had like seventeen poles to slide down in every room, yes. which was like a weird choice for this. Like, was the whole fire department? I mean, this is a real fire yes, station yes. in in Barcelona. But they had they had four poles to slide down in the bedrooms. Then they had poles to slide down and the basketball court. There was just poles everywhere. That's super dangerous for basketball. <laughs> yeah, because if you tripped and fell through it, it would be a problem. And there's a fence on like the back of it, but not the front of it. Yeah. <laughs> so in America, firemen have a tradition of making 
food, like of cooking at the firehouse. I've heard that. Yeah. There are like recipes that are specific to firemen. It's like a whole thing. I did not realize that that was also the same across the pond because <laughs> she does meet them like during dinner and is like, oh, yeah. all the delicious meals you make. And I was like, oh, I didn't realize that was also a thing there. But OK, yeah. I mean, it makes sense. Like, uh, well, if it's like it is here, I know firemen will sometimes stay at the firehouse like three days in a row. Yeah, like three days on, four days off. Yeah, yeah. It would make sense that they would stay there and like cook and all that stuff, you know, while they were there. The man who's giving her the tour is the duty officer and the coordinator. Is he like the the officer in charge of that shift or something? Is that what yeah, that is? Okay. basically. So he shows her the helmets, uh, jackets for her to try on, boots. I did love that she subtly calls them all fat when she's like putting on these clothing. She's like, you yeah. guys are so enormous. Yeah. And he's like, calm down. We can get you one that fits. It's just, you know, we, we don't have one on us right now <laughs> yeah but they were like european enormous not american enormous oh no i mean they yeah you're right i mean when we meet the guys that she goes out with manu is kind of a big guy yeah he is like if i had to like pick a person to date from this movie probably manu those uh, shoulders was man. manu the bald those one shoulders yeah i liked him so at this point she kind of tells the camera that they'll see if they get an emergency, but they might get a call. They might not. And if they do get a call, she'll ride along. And I loved how she was like talking about this because she was, man, I hope we get something. I hope something happens to the point where I thought she was going to go out and set a fire somewhere so that they would get a call. <laughs> and just like pull the alarm or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Because she was like, well, man, I hope we get to see a fire. Like, I can't wait. I hope someone's life is in danger tonight. This is where she goes to the dining hall. She meets Alex and Manu who are going to be the firefighters that take her around. Right. Uh, the next thing we cut to is her miking up the firefighters and testing the mics. Yeah. She interviews Alex, but ends up changing sides during the interview because of her hair. Well, yeah. I feel like this first 15 minutes is to set up how ridiculous she is so that the things that she does through the rest of the movie make sense. <laughs> yeah. I like when she changed sides. I think that is her best side. And I, I'll say, I think most people and maybe most like women in that line of business, like reporters and stuff, have who are side, on TV, yeah. they know what side they look best on and they want to be yeah. on that side. I, I completely understand that. So during this interview with Alex, she asks him, what's a normal night? And he was like, basically like, normal <laughs> like yeah a normal night is nothing happens he basically tells her that everyone thinks that they're usually putting out fires but 70 percent of their calls are different types of services water pipes pets yeah saving pets that kind of stuff she says i hope the siren goes off yeah which is like kind of insulting in a weird way that's what i was saying earlier like i really do think she really wants someone's life to be in danger just because she wants a good show now okay i will say it's probably insulting for her to say it, but I like I've heard first responders like, man, I hope tonight we can get into some of the action. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, because they're bored. Right. The alarm's not going to go off unless something bad is happening, right? So she is essentially wishing for something bad to happen so that she can get some good footage. Anyway, she qualifies it by saying <laughs> nothing serious. I just want to see what your work is like. Right. And I'm like, bitch, lies. You want to see the good shit. As we will find out through the rest of this movie where she commits to her TV show for far too long. <laughs> she is like hoping for a triangle waist shirt factory fire level fire that she can <laughs> catch on to. You know? I will say that the cameraman in the dub version, his voice is too omnipresent and godlike for me. Yeah, he's like, I think we got it. Yeah. <laughs> Switch to your good side. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Honestly, his voice and the Tim Curry racist guy are my favorite dubbed voices. Yes. 
I love it when like someone gets murdered. He's like, "Oh no, someone's been killed. We must go back." <laughs> well, I this is something that we'll get into the further we get into this movie. They constantly narrate things we've already seen. Yeah, and I'm like, I get that you're committing to the realism of this, but why am I sitting through two minutes of you explaining to me what I just watched? Yeah, it's like they're both showing and telling, Paige. Yes Which I think you should never do Like if you're gonna show, show And that's always better than tell But don't ever do both Right, and we cut to They say that they're gonna have a movie in the TV room And wait to see if the siren goes off But what we actually cut to is her wandering around the fire station Late at night, bored Yeah So she like goes to see the women at the call desk Oh, I loved that Because she walks in there like Didn't ask them clearly if they wanted to be interviewed She just like barges in on them And then they're like, no, fuck you, I'm out Yeah She walks past the sleeping quarters Yeah And points out where the alarms are It tells us about the poles And then uh, tells us that they take three minutes or less to go into action uh, we then, I think, see Alex shirtless in the hallway. Oh, uh, was that? Yeah, it, one of the firefighters walks down yeah. the hallway shirtless. Yeah. yeah, I didn't recognize if it was Alex or not, but I did see that. We then cut to them playing basketball to pass the time, and the alarm goes off. Yeah, she. it's right after she nails that granny shot, which I thought was awesome. Yeah. She reacted in a way that they had been trying to get her to make a shot for like 30 minutes because yeah. she like loses her mind and everyone's like high-fiving her for making like a basket. I thought that that was very funny. <laughs> no, yeah. They were like, thank God we can move on to something else now. It was just sad during her celebration laugh when she fell down the fire pole and died. <laughs> the one that was right <laughs> off the side of the court. <laughs> well, and, and literally they do run off the court. They don't even run out of the room. They just literally go to the pole on the side of the court. Yeah. And they're gone. And they kind of look down into the pole and realize that they can't get down there with the camera. So they have to go around the outside. Right. And by the time they do that, like the firefighters are like dressed and getting in the fire van. They almost leave without them. Yeah. This is amateur hour TV show because why wouldn't she get footage of herself going down the pole? Well, they should have already done it. They should have already captured that. Exactly. Because then you can shoot it from the top. And then have him run down the stairs and shoot it from the bottom. And then you have one continuous shot of them. Not continuous, but you have one shot of them going down the pole to completion, Mikey. And listen, she's going to ride that pole to completion. (laughs) To completion, yes. They literally almost leave without them, but they do end up popping into the back of a fire truck, which is too tall for her to get into, and she has to, like, climb her way up. She also really struggles with opening the door, which I thought was funny. It kind of weirds me out that, like, Spanish fire trucks are just sprinter vans painted red. Yeah, they are. Well, I got the impression that they weren't going to a fire, and they knew that, that they were going to an emergency or, like, a non-fire like emergency. So they didn't right. need the fire engine. They needed well, just the personnel. So they went in the van. At least in America, the trucks have all their equipment. So, like, a fire truck and an ambulance will go out to each call, no matter if it's a fire right. or a rescue or anything. So it's the big-ass American fire truck that's basically a sideways skyscraper. Yeah. Well, and they had yeah. some of those. They just didn't take it because it wasn't a fire. You should always take it. Just in case you got to hose somebody down? Heck, yes. Wet t-shirt contest. <laughs> <laughs> except, except, like, the girl starts dancing, and they spare the fire hose, and she, like, flies back 20 feet. <laughs> it just gets, like, cratered into a building. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Give it up for Stacy. <laughs> 
Stacy's won a free combo meal and a bucket of beers. Give it up for Stacy. <laughs> oh, Stacy's oh. lost consciousness. That's okay. When she wakes up from the coma, she'll still have the wings and beer. <laughs> when she gets up, we're having her manage the t-shirt cannon and she gets to DJ for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we get into the van. Uh Jose is at the wheel, and this is the last time we ever see him. He like drives them there and then he's just gone. Jose, take the wheel. <laughs> I'm sorry. Alex and <laughs> Alex and Manu are in the van as well. Yes. And Alex is kind of explaining to them they all have to go out, but they're not in a hurry. They're not sure what the call is, but it's not a fire. Right. And this is where she is like, oh, are you going to turn on the siren? And they're like, we don't really need to, but we can if you want. No, she said, are you going to turn the alarm on? And yeah. I disliked her from this point forward because no, everyone knows what a siren is. Well, she does say she's like, I forgot the word siren. We should reshoot that. So like she knows it, too. Early fun fact, the girl who plays the reporter is a reporter. That's her actual job. Really? I know. What? I know. Wow. I know. That's funny. My first reaction was like, a good one? A currently employed one? Cause <laughs> She certainly has the look of a reporter, if you catch my drift. Yeah, I mean, she really, yeah. Yeah. And I'm not saying that's a good thing. I know someone who used to be a reporter and got out of the game because she was sick of having literally a weight limit for her to be able to be on camera. Yeah. So they arrive at the house, they open up the truck, and they take a bunch of tools for opening doors and locks because they know that they're probably going to have to force their way in, but that's about all they know. They also notice that the police are at the house already. Yes. So they go into the apartment. We find out it's a it's an apartment building. It's like six stories. There's five apartment levels and one attic level. And one attic. Yeah. 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 There's like two apartments on each each level. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And then behind it, which is also connected to the lobby of the uh, apartment, is the textile factory. Or like it, lo- it looked more like a like a small little shop with like an office back there. Yeah. So they go into the lobby of the the apartment building and everyone there is like, why is this taking so long? We've been waiting, but we just watched them. Like we know they just got the call. Like I got the impression that the people in the lobby had been down there for an hour Yeah, and the police had been there for a while already, but they called the fire department in, right? Right. For whatever reason. If there's one thing I've learned about the public, it's that they're awful. (laughs) (laughs) Agreed I mean yeah Not to quote What I think is not a movie But a documentary About aliens But the person is smart People are stupid (laughs) You're gonna quote You're gonna gonna quote Men in Black Hell yeah The documentary (laughs) Men in Black About how Tommy Lee Jones And Will Smith Saved the world I would argue that also There are persons Who are dumb but this is a thing with the public where when people have to wait any amount of time, they compound that time in their head. So like yes. this used to happen in retail all the time where it's like I had to put somebody on hold for five minutes while I go find something in the back of the store. Yeah. And when you come back to the phone, they're like, I've been on hold for 45 minutes. And you're like, you have been on hold for five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> like we timed it. <laughs> like we know exactly how long it was. Especially if it's like an adrenaline rush. So like say that you did hear a scream and you called 911. And it took them five minutes to get here. That's going to feel like a really long time. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really fast response time. I feel like because I worked in retail so long, I don't have the same framework for time. Like where I, I feel like sometimes I experience things in more of a real time than people do. 
because I had an asthma attack and had to call the ambulance and they got there five minutes later and I was like, damn, you guys were fast. <laughs> like I was like, you got great job. And then the ride back to the hospital was kind of longer. And I was like, how'd you guys get to me so fast? Um, but most people are just like, it's about time. <laughs> I've right. been here forever. <laughs> also, I guess I'm just a terrible person, but I'd probably yep. would have came out of my apartment and been like, what's going on? They're like, oh, the older lady in 5C screamed and fell and we're waiting on the fire department to break her door down. I'm like, all right, well, you guys have a great night. And then I yes. just gone back to bed. And Mikey, you know what would have happened to you? You would have survived. Because yes. you would wake up the next morning like, why is there tarp over my windows? If everyone had just stayed locked in their apartments, this movie would be fine. Yeah. Nosy Nellies equal eaten bellies. <laughs> so, spoiler alert. We're recording this the morning after a 4.8 earthquake in Los Angeles that happened almost directly under my damn apartment. Yeah. And when it happened, we all ran out into the courtyard. So, like, if this had been my apartment, we would have all died because we were all just like, (laughs) do you feel that, Yolanda? Yeah, I felt it. Like But that's an earthquake page. If, like, Yolanda had screamed and, like, someone called 911, you would have... Maybe gone and checked. That actually happened two months ago. And we are are some of the only white people that live in our building. Most of, of the people in our building speak Spanish. And so there was screaming in Spanish. And I was like, I don't know what they're saying, but their tone is not great. And so I started getting <laughs> dressed and I like opened the door and my neighbor Yolanda ran past and in English was like, Paige, get out of the house. And I was like, oh, damn it. OK, thank you for the English one. All right, great. And then like <laughs> ran out and we found out that the vacant lot uh, next door was on fire. But like, All so right. yeah, <laughs> like Paige, you're going to die. Stop. <laughs> I feel like you guys just don't understand how Los Angeles works. It's basically Mad Max here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, your sky is filled with fire and you don't speak the language. The earth I- is not stable. I don't speak the language. It's fine. So we at this point think that it's a domestic dispute. There's two officers there. One of them is clearly a senior officer and he comes yeah. downstairs and is basically like, come upstairs with me. I'll take you to the apartment. It's locked. We haven't been able to get inside. Um, and we kind of hear some rumblings from the crowd that there's a bad smell that they think maybe she's dead, Um, but she's screaming and there's crashing around. They also at this point are like, why the fuck did you bring a camera crew here? And they're like, Oh, we're taping for this show that no one cares about. And they're like, well, fine. The camera crew is your responsibility. And he says, if I say stop filming, you stop. If I say, get out, get out. And the reporter is like, don't we have permits. And at this point I was like, get out stop it like you're in now you're a in the way and b you're gonna get people fucking killed for your stupid camera yep i was fine with her until this point and then i was like nope not not here for it i did like that everyone in this movie's in a horror movie but the cameraman is in a benny hill sketch because yes. he knocks into everything he can find when they get up into her apartment, the old lady's apartment. It's not just that apartment. It's throughout the movie. Yeah, he's always bumping into stuff. Like, he's the worst. He has no object permanence or spatial awareness. There's nothing wrong with that. This would be Mikey. Great voice, clumsy as shit. We just never heard the cameraman laugh. If he had the Mikey laugh, ugh, it would have been the best movie ever. He should have done a God laugh. 
Ho, 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 ho. Oh, thanks, Predator. Um, so the other thing about this movie is it's a five-story walk-up. Yeah. And they run up and down these stairs so many times. But so I just have in my notes, this movie is an exercise in being frustrated on behalf of first responders. <laughs> so they break the door open and we can hear screaming inside. But this is where the cameraman is just constantly knocking everything over in the apartment. And literally all of the first responders are like, what the fuck is wrong with you? There's like, one long, long hallway, right? And the, the, yes. the woman's at the end of the hallway and they're walking towards her. This is a massive apartment. Yeah, they're huge. Yes. These are big places. And all yeah. of the apartments are big. That's why there's only two per floor right yeah. but this mm-hmm. long ass hallway they're like walking down and he's literally bumping into end tables and tripping over shit on the floor and they mm-hmm. tell him like three times that he needs yeah. to step lightly and stop running into shit or he, they're gonna kick him out and what we see at the end of the hallway is kind of shadowy we see a woman standing there and kind of doing the creepy zombie rock where they're just like yes i'm gonna get brains now that we found brains what are we gonna <laughs> chew on them i love it mikey so- sing with us <laughs> What song is that? That's Heavy D and the Boys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> so at this point, the cameraman accidentally activates the spotlight. Yes. And we see that the woman at the end of the hallway is covered in blood. Yeah, yeah. This is where I started to, like, it started to get scary, right? Nothing up till this point yeah. has been scary. This is mm-hmm. where it goes from literally a one on the scary scale to like a three for me. Yes. So now they basically are like, stop filming, get the fuck yeah. out yeah because like you you are about to put people in danger yeah. essentially he stops quote-unquote filming from the shoulder and like puts it down by his side like he's holding it but he is still filming right yeah he still yeah. gets all of this yeah, yeah yeah but it's like at knee level it's not up on his yeah. shoulder like it was yeah we see that the old woman screams she's acting erratically and as they try to approach her and kind of calm her down she attacks the police man and bites his neck dude when they pull her off of him and you see like the neck oh, the, flesh, the flesh like ripping yeah. off of his neck i literally dry heaved it was so gross i knew at this point i was screwed watching this movie and you know when that officer gets home his wife's gonna be so mad that he has a hickey <laughs> how do you explain that like I, there's no getting out of that mikey absolutely <laughs> so at this point they grab the body and they're running out of the apartment basically they're like fuck that old lady we gotta get to the paramedics yeah so they close the door they basically lock her in that apartment which they should have done to everybody smart move yeah they run down the lights go out uh they get to the bottom floor they eventually turn the lights back on and the residents say that they can't go outside so they basically get down to the lobby and realize that they are trapped and this policeman is losing blood right. and he's not going to make it. And they're not even going to let that policeman who needs medical attention out. Yeah. I think there are two times in this movie all the lights go out and then they come back on like someone flipped a breaker switch and they never like explain what that is and why that happens. I thought at this point all the power was going to go out and then it was going to be in the dark the rest of the movie. For the rest of the movie. Which would have been very, very scary. I'm glad they didn't do that, but I was just confused yeah. by who was fucking with the lights. I would say if that happened in the rest of the movie was in night vision, yeah. it would be damn near unwatchable, but terrifying. Yeah, the same. Yeah, yeah. they, they yeah. would have to do something different than only night vision, right? To, to make it watchable. But it would have been more scary, I think. 
Yeah, they could have done the spotlight the whole time. Yeah. At the point that this movie goes largely spotlight, it gets very difficult to watch if you have any sort of motion sickness. And I was at the end getting very dizzy. I had to pause it a couple times where I was just like, but that could have been the earthquake, to be honest. Um, You know. Anyway, <laughs> you're doing so good for being through like a natural disaster this morning. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I mean, all of America went through a natural disaster last night. So, yeah, they got rid of that seven layer burrito and the Mexican pizza. I don't know how we're going to survive. I don't. Yeah. The Mexican pizza was a very bad choice to get rid of. We have wildly different political beliefs. <laughs> <laughs> so. We see lights coming from outside the door, and we hear a speaker from outside the front door. Like a PA system, yeah. Yeah, and it's like, you guys are fucked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at first I thought it was the cameraman talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's basically a speaker telling them that the public health department has quarantined them in the building. It's, it's the cameraman's uncle. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea he was related to Mr. Movie Phone. Uh, so... <laughs> <laughs> this is where they inform the outside people. They're like, hey, this officer's going to die. And the health department is just like, that's better for us, actually. Yeah. <laughs> we don't give a fuck. Mark one down, guys. <laughs> if you could bag him up for us, that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> what if there was one guy still in his apartment, like playing Xbox during this whole time? Like, There is. It's, it's the Asian grandfather. <laughs> I honestly think he survives, doesn't he? We never see him. Yeah, we never see him. I think he lives. Yeah, but they always leave their door open, so probably not. That's fair. That's fair. At one point, they say that he is sick, so I think maybe he already had it. Yeah, I got that impression, too, but we never see him, so. So we find out that the public health department has quarantined them. They're not going to be able to get that officer out. The reporter loses her shit. Yeah. And she's trying to film all of it, and she's shouting into the camera, and the first responders basically are like can you please stop film like we need to handle this can you stop filming and he pushes the camera out of the way and she goes nuts and almost hits an officer yeah and at this point i was like trank that bitch this is insane <laughs> like <laughs> put her under or something because she's gonna get people killed i mean if you're gonna film them at least like be far back be across the room at least she's in people's faces and consistently getting in the way yeah to the point where I would argue she causes half the deaths in this movie by being in the way. <laughs> by just being an obstacle? Yes, by being an obstacle and being a thing that the first responders have to pay attention to as opposed to what they actually need to get done. They are trying to find another exit from the building. Uh, this is where they start to ask what's behind this door. We find out that's where the textile factory is. Right. And then this is where resident Karen is like, my husband is outside and they won't let us out and he has medicine for my daughter that has tonsillitis. Yeah, but it ain't tonsillitis, baby. We find that out later. But as she's screaming, Alex, the other fireman, falls into the lobby and to be honest, a fall from that distance he is dead. Oh, yeah. They treat him later as if he did not die in this fall. And I'm like, that fall 100% broke his neck and back. Like this right. is well, yeah, He looks dead, too, when it happens. Yeah. This part made me jump because he, he oh. falls from like the fifth floor, like splats. Man, I, again, was lying in bed. I hadn't brought the comforter up to my chin yet, but I like, I literally didn't make a sound, but jerked really hard because it scared the shit out of me. Yeah. Meanwhile, Natalie's falling asleep next to me. <laughs> like nothing's happening. It's because you're exhausting. <laughs> 
Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> I know Paige would pick back. That's why I'm only picking on Todd. <laughs> <laughs> so we hear more screaming upstairs. So Manu and the other officer go up the stairs to essentially respond. And they tell them again, stop filming. And she says, I don't care what they say. We have to film it again, getting in the way. Yeah. So there's more <laughs> screaming. They go upstairs. She still follows them. They consistently try to get her out of the way so that they can handle the situation. And she will not. Yeah. They go back into the old lady's apartment, which for me, I'm like, you know, there's a zombie in there. Yeah. Why are we going back into this apartment? Why did they go back up there? They went up there because they heard the screaming and they wanted to make sure there wasn't someone else up there that needed help. But yeah. they go back into the same hallway that the cameraman was like bumping into stuff down that hallway. And this time the cop goes first and has his gun drawn. And when the old lady comes running at him, he taps her and she just dies. So he taps her and then another girl runs out. Yeah. And he taps her too. Yeah. They got it all on film and he's freaking out because now it looks like he just murdered people because there's, you know, he doesn't know the context that they're going to have that film for. They believe they've killed these two women. The reporter is very upset, but like then turns around and is like, did you get that on film? And yeah. I'm like, are you kidding me? In your world, two people are dead. Yes. And you're just like, you got that right. Let me watch it again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, well, and she does. She does watch it again because she's a sociopath who is turned on by violence. My type. <laughs> which by the way so he rewinds it and then we have to watch it one more time which is super stupid i thought that was really stupid too. i thought that there were so many choices they did to fill for time and i felt like this was one of them here's what drove me insane is that later in the film there is a point where a character is trying to remember something that they know that they got on tape and they don't rewind it and watch it Right. They instead go back down to the lobby, put themselves in danger. And I'm like, we already know that you can rewind the tape and we can rewatch it because we've done it once in this movie. Why didn't you do that? Right. No, I completely agree. But I think they make those choices to fill for time. Yeah. The thing that bothered me most about this scene is the police officer and the firefighter have left the apartment where they just quote unquote killed because we know they're actually zombies and not dead yet. But they killed the old lady and the younger lady that were there, right? That were Mm -hmm. already zombies. Right. And then they leave and then the reporter and the cameraman are in that apartment like talking about what just happened. Did you get that? Like, let me watch it again. Why are they staying in the apartment where two people were just in their world, like you said, Paige, murdered? Like that made no sense to me. I would want to get to the lobby, the only perceived area of safeness. Right. I'd want to get there before I did anything else. And not only that, so they leave them there with the camera and they leave the door to that apartment open. Yeah. Close it. Lock it until the authorities get there. Exactly. They run back down to the lobby where they're going to try and go through the back exit because they basically say two men are dying, which is the policeman and the other firefighter. And then they say that they've got two fatalities, which are the women upstairs. Casualties are the two men dying, which, by the way, that firefighter dead. I don't know why they act like he's not dead, but he's (laughs) fully dead. I do sort of wonder if the zombie part of him is sort of the only thing that's actually showing signs of life. If he actually did die. I wondered if that was the case for the policeman as well, because he's just kind of twitching. But he has been wounded and lost so much blood. It's very likely that he is also dead. So that's it, true. It, yeah, it that's did fair. make me wonder if both of them were dead. And then that guy who's like working on them is like a medical assistant. But he's definitely acting like a doctor. 
Yeah. I don't know if he had the knowledge to treat those guys. <laughs> he injects one of them at one point with something, yeah. and I was like, what's your title again? He's injecting them with antibiotics. <laughs> I thought he was just like, a, I don't know, injecting heroin into those guys' necks. I don't think it was heroin, Mikey. I mean, that'd be fun. <laughs> he's like, he looks like he's in a lot of pain. <laughs> <laughs> I assumed that as a medical assistant, he would have a kit of stuff. Right. But also, having been to Spain and, and been to Europe, you can walk into pharmacies and buy a lot of stuff that you can't buy in the U.S. That's just amazing. over the counter. Yeah. Anyway, so they run towards the back exit, which is also blocked. But the frustrating thing about this is the reporter is shouting into the camera. Yeah. Which means that any like any stealth is gone. Everyone in the building can hear her. So she, anytime they potentially find a way out of the building, she gives their position away. Right. This is also what we were referring to when we were saying that we've already seen the stuff that she's saying to us. Yes. We've seen it happen. There's not really a need for her to say it into the camera. Right. Except for, I think, to fill time. Although it didn't really bother me that much because I understood she was a reporter trying to like tell a story or whatever. So it just didn't bother me that much. And I was just like, okay, we got to get to the next set piece. And she is, you know, tying us to that next set piece. Yeah, it it irked me a little bit, but I understood why they did it, where I was like, I personally would not make the choice to do this in a movie. Right. If I was writing a a movie. That's because you would write a movie. You wouldn't have them just improv the movie. This is true. But this is also... A thing where I'm like, I could understand the choice to do this. It's not the choice I would make, but I understand why they did. Same. Yeah. But the set piece this sets up is that textile factory. Right. That's on that bottom floor that they open sort of what looks like when, you know, when a mall store closes. Yes. But it's like a solid metal one. Yeah. Yeah. So they open that and run into it and she narrates to the camera and then they're trying to get Mm -hmm. to that back office where the door to the outside is. Right. And that's when you see like a shitload of cops there and like spotlights into that back office. And I thought... I thought this is pretty effective because yeah. you see other people in the outside world, right? But mm-hmm. you also see like these tarps getting drawn down over the windows and stuff. And I was like, oh, that would be yeah. terrifying if you were stuck inside. Here's something that I think this movie does really super, super well. And and there are some things that it does. And this is yeah. one of them. With the tarps and the opaque doors where you can literally only see shadows and lights. Right. But it's enough. And so if you were trying to make a very inexpensive movie and you're like, okay, there's a ton of cops. I can't afford a ton of cops, but I can afford blue and red lights and shadows. Well, and you can afford five extras in police gear for an hour, right? Yes. And that's sort of what they did because those cops don't have lines, really. They're just there in gear holding what look like guns, I guess. But we never see them other than for like 15 seconds when the tarps are coming down and then they're gone. Because you don't need it. I will say, at some point in this movie, not far from the scene we are now, I would have broken out through one of these tarps and been like, they can shoot me. I'd rather die like that than stay in this house. I had this exact same thought, Mikey, especially towards the end when it's like dire. Like, literally, you're the only two people left alive. I would not run up to the attic apartment. No, I would take my chances with the cops. Yeah. Yeah. Knowing that I would probably get shot to death, but I'd take that chance as opposed to being eaten. If I started hearing gunshots, I would drop to the ground. Maybe I'm hit once or twice, but people have lived through that. Like, there's a better chance than, like, being ate by, like, 20 people. I mean, I have a better chance of being, like, 50 Cent than being, like, some guy who gets eaten to death. Yeah, 50 Cent got shot nine times. Yeah, exactly. You have a better chance of being 50 Cent instead of being an item on the 99 Cent menu. (laughs) (laughs) 
Hell yeah. We hear a speaker from outside that tells them that a health officer is coming in to give orders and they give the code CBRN, which the police officer recognizes as a chemical threat. Literally, like the reporters to ask the cop, he's like, what did the cameraman's uncle say? And they're like, it's the, the CBRN <laughs> stuff, like it's chemical or radiation or nuclear. Something is going on in this building that has to be quarantined. Which is still horrifying. No, it is. And honestly, I feel like at this point in the movie, you know it's zombies. Not like, quite. It's when the when the guys come back to life, when the two officers come back to life. I think that's that's the point of no return for everyone in this building. I think that's true. And this also might be a world that doesn't know what zombies are, because that's pretty common in zombie films. Like, a yeah. lot of zombie films don't refer to them as zombies, because it's like a new concept to them in that world. So it could be that kind of setup, too, which I'm fine with. That's fine. But we're definitely in a world where you would go back to your apartment and, like, bar the doors. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So they go back into the lobby, and this is the first time we meet the Tim Curry cosplayer in this oh, film. <laughs> yeah, Bobo Spanish Tim Curry, yes. Also, at this point, get more information about the woman with the daughter who's saying that her daughter has tonsillitis, she has a fever, she needs antibiotics. What I didn't understand is why the medical assistant didn't give the girl antibiotics. I mean, he clearly had some. This was my first clue that the little girl had whatever everyone else had. <laughs> she had blood in her lips and looked like a zombie? Yeah, but she's <laughs> clearly very, very ill. Yeah. And her mother is reacting to how ill she is. But again, you're right. Tonsillitis is not an emergency. And she's treating it like it is. So at this point, they develop a plan to go through a second floor window and jump down. So they go upstairs. Uh, This is also where they kind of talk about the fact that there was somebody else in the old lady's apartment. Uh, The medical assistant who is with them basically says, oh, the Colombian girl, why didn't she come down with you? And they're like, she's dead. Yeah, that's the one who was in the apartment with the old lady who we killed. The the cop was like, the firefighter shot her. (laughs) Uh, So... They're running through this plan, and literally, the film crew is in the way the entire time. Yeah. Like I said, it's a Benny Hill sketch for the film crew, but for everyone else, it's a horror movie. So they get to the second floor room with the window that they're going to jump out with, and it is already blocked. The the police have already sealed it off. But it's just a tarp. I actually like this because they put a ladder up, and you see the guy climbing the ladder to cover all the other windows. It's really cool. So... They're sealing off the entire building. At this point, the first responders are basically like, stop filming. Stop it. You are in the way. Yeah. And she basically says, no, everyone needs to see this. You're trapped in here like the rest of us. I'm going to expose this, which is like, you have no idea what you're dealing with. Or what you're talking about. Yeah. So the cop pulls a gun to try and get everyone to calm down and orders everyone to go downstairs. This is the best, like... We're occasionally hearing messages from the speaker outside. Yeah. And this is the best one where it just says, we apologize for the inconvenience. (laughs) (laughs) It's really, really funny. The fireman kind of talks the police officer down. He puts the gun away and then he does something. This is why he was my favorite character. Yeah. I think this shows him as a rounded character, right? Yeah. He puts the gun away and then he apologizes. And he's like, I'm sorry. I'm scared too. Like, yeah can we all go downstairs so we can all try and get out of this together? So at this point, we find out that the medical assistant has bandages and antibiotics in his apartment. So he goes to get them and he comes right back down. And at this point, the camera cuts out. Yeah. We cut back in at 2 a.m. 
And the reporter is basically letting us know that they're shut in the building and completely cut off. And then she spends conservatively another five minutes recapping the movie we have just watched. Up to this point, doing a lot of telling (laughs) of what we've just been shown. Yes. We cut to the office of the textile factory where they're keeping the dead bodies and convenient apartment doctor starts treating them with antibiotics and cleaning the wounds. Yeah. She starts interviewing the doctor. Now, this drove me nuts where she was like, can I talk to you for a minute for an interview? And I'm like, no, he's operating on people who are dying. Like, These are serious injuries. Like, no, you can't interview him. How about you interview him later? See, but this is where I started to stop taking him so seriously because he grants the interview. Yeah. And he's like doing medical stuff while he talks to her. But no one noticed that this guy has no pupils. That his eyes have turned all white. Oh, you mean the guy who's like dying? Yeah. Yeah. He's got zombie eyes. And he's like, he's going to be fine. Mm, Injection. My favorite (laughs) part of this scene is she asks, would you say these injuries are serious? And I'm like, and they're like, they're like spurting blood in the background. (laughs) I would say these injuries are very serious. Absolutely. He's like, well, it's subjective, ma'am. If this was a hospital, I think maybe, I don't know. And they were both bit on the face. I just work at Walgreens. (laughs) I just work at Walgreens. If these people were at my minute clinic, maybe I could do something. So at this point, she turns to the camera and she's like, I want to do more interviews. So she starts interviewing all of the residents, which is where we kind of get to meet everybody. So she interviews the loud old couple from the beginning. And they basically said that they just heard screaming. There was something very loud. And then they just came downstairs and they want to go back up to get a jacket. (laughs) I love that they were like fighting like an old married couple as an old married couple. I was like, I like this. We never see them again once the like melee starts happening. So we have to assume that either they're dead or she went back for that jacket and somehow miraculously survived. (laughs) So this next interview is wildly racist. Yeah. And they interview the Asian family that lives in the building. Here's the thing. There are points in this movie where other characters are racist towards this family. I think some of those are played almost as irony where it's like you were racist against them, but then you were the problem. But this point in the movie, the way that this character in this interview is written is super racist where I'm like, this is the movie being racist where this character clearly in Spanish or in our case when we were watching it dubbed. Do you think it's the dub or do you think it's the translation? She basically talks like a 1950s film Asian character. Yes. Yes. Well, and, and here's the thing. I think the dub is also bad. But I think that she wouldn't say anything that wasn't in the dub. Like, I don't think that the original version was like, well, he fell down the stairs. And if you notice, this trajectory would mean that he's probably dead. And we just heard the noise and came downstairs. I don't think that's what was written because what we get in the dub is, and I wrote it down verbatim, fireman just fall down. He fall down from upstairs. He fall down from upstairs from up the staircase. Yeah. My frustration with this is, This only serves to other that family. Yeah. There's no reason to recap this. We have already seen it happen. So we know what happened to the fireman and it depersonalizes them. It makes them a joke where she gets nowhere with the interview. She gets no information and it just serves to be like, look how dumb they talk, which is super offensive. Yeah. And when I got to this point in the movie, I was like, oh, this is bananas racist. And I can't even believe that this is happening in a movie in the recent you know timeline it's crazy and then they cut away to the little girl jennifer so jennifer is seven 
Uh, she says that she's sick, but she can't get medicine because her dad can't get in. And the mom is kind of interjecting and we get the mom's interview right after. But again, a lot of this is repetitive information that we didn't need. There is some new information about the dog Max because Max got sick and they had to take Max to the vet. And he's very sick and we don't have any other information about that. So next we get the mom who is just the epitome of an anxious Karen and she's like I knew something bad was going to happen I'm going to make a complaint I'm going to publish a complaint I'm not going to stop until everyone knows the whole story top to bottom right which people are dead you have the least complaint <laughs> at this right? point in the movie <laughs> then we get Tim Curry cosplay oh man this is rough <laughs> yeah his interview is super racist it just reinforces the racism we saw earlier yes it's so banana I feel like that character is not just that character he's also the director of this movie and he's just trying to justify fun fact wait what yes and I will get into it in fun facts what this is one of the few points of the movie that is actually written oh my god so he was just <laughs> reading lines more or less more or less and and i'll go over it more in fun facts but what he basically says is they ask him if he's been living there a long time and he says yes i lived here with my mother and then she passed and now i'm alone right and then he goes into a long list of complaints about the asian neighbors yeah. and they refer to them as chinese japanese any number of things we don't know what nationality they actually are i think he literally says it's the chinese he says chinese japanese he's like they're always cooking their raw fish oh Oh my yes. God, it all smells and leaving their door open yeah. yes so so the complaint is that they they cook smelly food and leave the door open who does that my door is always open ladies no oh god <laughs> and it smells like <laughs> like fish because yeah. of all the ladies oh, um, Paige, no. oh no. it's mainly just the inability to care for myself ladies <laughs> Do you want a fixer-upper, ladies? Uh, <laughs> Nike is single. Do you want more responsibilities and less freedom? <laughs> <laughs> do you want to do 90% of the work but only get treated as an equal in the relationship? <laughs> <laughs> At this point in the interview, he says, have you started filming yet? Yeah. Implying that he didn't want those racist things in the interview. No, that's not what it was, Paige. And then they say, no, we've been filming this whole time. And he's like, oh, no, my face is shiny. The fact that that's what he's worried about is crazy. Yeah. He thinks that one side is his good side. Well, yeah, he does say that. And then he, he talks to the cameraman. He's like, oh, you like that, don't you, cameraman? He hits on Pablo. Yeah. Oh, you like that, Pablo. After this scene, we go back to essentially part of the textile factory where they've kind of rounded everyone up so that they can make a plan. And we find out that the police officer has spoken with the people on the outside. Right. And they said a health officer is about to come in because there's a possibility of infection in the building. And what they want to do is take blood samples from everyone. And once they've tested those samples, if you do not have it, you can go outside. I need your cooperation. So essentially now this is the scene from The Thing. And there is, like, a way forward where you can survive, right? Right. I like that they set this up. It makes me a little sad that it didn't play off and no one survives. But right. I like that there was a way forward. It's not just, like, all yeah. hope is lost 30 minutes into the movie and then we're just watching people die. Although it does become that. So now they go through 
essentially a roll call of who lives in the building apartment by apartment. So we establish the Colombian girl and Mrs. Oscaro, who are the two dead people. Right. Uh, We then have the mom and her daughter and the old people and the Tim Curry cosplayer. And then this is where we find out that the Asian family lives upstairs on the fifth floor and their father is still upstairs in bed, very sick. Yeah. At which point the Karen, the mom is like, well, perhaps he's the one to blame. That's how we all got sick. And again, I'm like, this movie is super racist. Again, yeah. like they get mad at her for being loud, but no one is like, hey, just because they're Asian doesn't mean like nobody steps in to protect them. No one corrects the racist behavior. Yeah. Yes. They also establish that there's an attic, but no one lives up there. It's owned by a man from Madrid, but he hasn't been there for years and has just locked the attic. Oh, who only owns an attic at an apartment complex? The Vatican. Yeah. The Attican. <laughs> yeah. At this point, the camera cuts back out. Yeah. We cut back to the health officer coming in in a hazmat suit. Oh, yeah. He's tote suited up. And the reporter is now screaming both into the camera and at him being like, "What? he's all suited up. What the hell is this shit? And then the camera goes out again. Then the camera comes back and we see the little girl looking into the camera on the floor. And she looks bad. She looks bad. And she's yeah. poking at the camera. There's a smear on the lens. And the reporter asks Pablo to come here. She says she's freaking out. She thinks the old lady must be the one who's sick she bit those guys are they going to end up like that too yeah they are and she says get the camera i can't just stand around and so he pulls the camera out they come back and we cut back to the officers are in the room with the bodies and she's in the way they basically tell her like you can't come in you need to stay away so they go around and they shoot through the office windows over the top of what's happening Right. What's happening in that back room is the cop and the firemen who are still alive are about to handcuff the two injured, quote unquote, guys right. to the tables. Yeah. And the, the medical officers in there, too, like telling them to do this. Yeah, he's he's telling them to cuff them. And he's like, it's it's transmitted by saliva. Yeah, right. So they handcuff them. The doctor begins injecting them with something. Yes. And she's talking to Pablo the whole time. And she's like, what's happening? Tell me what's going on. Who did what? What's happening? And I'm like, they can hear you. And also, he can't hear them. It's not like, I mean, he can't really give her any information. Yeah, and she just shouts it in the whole time, giving away their position. She drove me insane. (laughs) So they get more handcuffs for the police officer that's injured. They're about to cuff him, and he jumps up and tries to attack the health officer. Yeah. And so does the fireman. So they're now, people who were mortally wounded are now up and attacking people. So they essentially run out. They trap the medical assistant in there because they think he may have been bitten. Right. No, he was definitely bitten. He was definitely bitten. Well, there is a debate among them where the health department official says, yes, he was bitten. No one else saw it. And so they're like, if he's not bitten, we need to let him out. Like, they're going to bite him. And he says... Well, they're handcuffed, so if he stays a a distance away from them, he won't be able to hurt them. And the reaction time varies based on your blood group. But then at this point, the clearly bitten body of the medical assistant crashes up against that window. Yeah, it's clear he's been attacked. So they run out. They try to shut the back entrance. They won't tell people what's going on. 
The health official pulls off his hazmat stuff. Which is the worst thing to do in that situation. I, I am leaving that shit on the whole time. Because now you know that there's infection. Exactly. And he tells them that a vet was treating a dog with an unidentified infection. Right. The dog went into a coma woke up from a coma, violent, and attacked everyone. They had to put the dog down. They took out the microchip for the dog, and it led them to this building. And this is where the reporter figures it out, and she says, was the dog called Max? And he says, yes. So it turns out it was Karen and Jennifer's dog, and everyone turns on and her name is not Karen. We don't learn her name, but she was just acting like a Karen. Karen is Jennifer's mom, though. Yeah, we know what you're talking about. Everyone turns on her, and she says, she has tonsillitis, and then Tim Curry cosplayer says, like hell, she has tonsillitis. <laughs> <laughs> I do love that sort of everything he does, from racism to accusing someone of being a zombie, he does very theatrically. Very. They confirm that they think the source of the infection could be the dog, and it's transmitted through saliva, And at this point, Jennifer barfs blood all over her mother's face, screams, and runs away up the stairs. They hold the mom down to keep her from chasing after her. But part of me was like, the face blood means that the mom is also infected at this point. Yeah, because it's transmitted through saliva, right? Yeah, it's saliva. So even if she didn't get bit, there's blood and saliva all over her face and probably some got in her mouth. She's definitely turned or going to be turning. Right. So they chase her up the stairs because they know that the Asian family's father is on the fifth floor. And if she gets to him, she could hurt him. Right. And they need to give her the injection, which it sounds like the injection is some sort of antidote. I assumed it was, but it never comes to fruition because everyone dies. Yeah. Right. So at this point, she sends Pablo up the stairs and follows him and basically says, film everything even though they're yelling at him to stop filming because they hear noise upstairs, which again just means he's in the way, although he does come in handy a little bit in just a moment. They go back into that same apartment, and now the bodies are gone. Dumb, dumb, dumb. They hear some creepy noises, and at this point I said, shut the door and burn it down. Yeah, absolutely. Fuck this whole place. Yeah, set the building on fire, try and like sneak out through the smoke so the cops don't kill you. So the apartment appears to be empty, but then they turn and Pablo, the camera guy, gets a shot of the little girl standing in the doorway behind them. This scared the shit out of me, man. Pause. Okay. She looks very dead. The little girl, his eyes are all red. She's like growling. She is a zombie kid. And then this officer kneels down and gets six inches from her face. And he's like, it's okay, little girl. And then he turns around and says, I think it's going to be. And then like she bites his neck as he turns around. Yeah. I would have punted that girl so hard (laughs) out that hallway. The cop has a gun. He should have dropped her like the very first episode of The Walking Dead. You don't need to. They probably have steel-toed boots on because they're first responders. If he would have wound up, he could have punched her through that hallway window. Okay, here's the other thing. Why isn't the hazmat guy doing this? That's a good point. Why is he letting them get close enough to her to get infected? Yeah. If I was hazmat guy, I would have been out of that place immediately. I wouldn't have taken that thing out and been like, oh, this is too much for me. I'm going to have to go get some backup. Yeah, call the Marines to come murder everyone because this yeah. is a lost cause. 
This is the first real jump scare in this movie. Oh, it so got me, too. I did jump quite a bit, man. Now, he does manage to hold her still, but she clearly bites the police officer. Yeah. They see the screaming old lady again, who they thought they killed. They shoot her again, but it doesn't seem to really matter. They run back down to the lobby, but as they're doing so, everyone is running upstairs past them. Yeah. Your first signal... That something's going on downstairs where downstairs the medical assistant is now a zombie and has escaped and they won't unchain they as they chased Jennifer up the stairs they chained her mother to the stairs and they right. can't find the key the cop has the key right so yeah. they can't unchain her they don't have the key so they're trying to like break the cuff or yeah. break the the banister yeah the banister it's on it's at this point that Manu the firefighter the bald firefighter gets the sledgehammer and he's just like you know what we're done with this I'm just gonna fuck shit up now yeah well yeah so he grabs the, the sledgehammer and basically pulls the reporter and the cameraman away and they're just like leave her basically yeah. she is a zombie bait now and to be honest she is infected yeah she was gonna turn eventually anyway so everyone runs upstairs to the weird british guy's uh, apartment so tim curry's apartment yeah he lets them in at this point the reporter kind of freaks out and she was like they were eating her alive and i'm like no shit like where have you been yeah <laughs> like this is what zombies do bro yeah basically he says we can stay here until they come for us they're like they're not going to come for us they're just going to nuke this building and he says well they have to come for the doctor who is in the other room who is the hazmat guy right and they look in and the hazmat guy basically says i'm bit i've been bit yeah. get out of here they lock him into the bathroom because for some reason this bathroom has like the same security system as your average Los Angeles storefront where it's got like one of those like <laughs> yeah. accordion gates. Yeah. Well, and it also has like a long hallway in it. Like every room is required to have a 20 foot hallway in it. It's half bathroom, half bodega. It's real weird. <laughs> uh, so they develop a new plan that they're going to escape through the sewer because if they can get into the basement, there's a reinforced door. But to get there, they have to get the keys. What he reveals is that the keys are in the building manager's apartment right and then at this point the hazmat guy pulls him against the bodega gate and starts to eat him starts so they, eating him up yeah so they run out into the stairwell they need the keys to the basement and at this point they're trying to remember whose apartment that was from the roll call and they can't remember it and i'm like you taped the roll call. Exactly. Rewind the damn tape. And instead of just rewinding the tape to find it, they go all the way down to the lobby. Yeah. Try to look at it on the mailboxes, figure it out from the mailboxes, go all the way back up. A zombie attacks Manu and he snaps its neck, which is yeah. badass. Yeah. Manu goes full like awesome yeah i love it he's got a sledgehammer he's yes. able to break someone's neck with his hands which is very difficult to do yes so i he was the superhero of this film man supermanu <laughs> <laughs> so to get back upstairs they have to go past jennifer's mom who is still chained to the stairs but is now a zombie Oh, and is doing her best to eat them. Like, I thought the actress playing this really did a good job committing in this part because not only is she, like, reaching through, like, the banister or whatever, as they start to climb... She tries to climb over. Yeah, she tries to climb over and, like, really gets close to one of them. I was like, wow, she's committed, and I like it. Yeah. I mean, it was scary as shit, but I was impressed with her 
acting abilities. Then the Colombian girl comes running down the stairs. Manu basically, bat- I think he kind of like bashes her head against yeah. the well, ground. Yeah, he's got the sledgehammer, yeah, sledge right? Hammer. Yeah. yeah. This isn't the person he sledgehammers, though. Oh, is it not? It's oh, not. Oh, no, is this the one where he, he chokes the death oh, of the Oh, yeah, rope? no, yes. he chokes her out with yeah, the cameraman. Yeah, he, he chokes her out with the cameraman. Oof. And so she's down. But at this point, I'm like, how long do people stay dead? Because they've now killed people and they come back. So what's the point of killing? I, I guess it buys you a couple minutes. Well, yeah, we don't establish what actually kills the zombies, right? Yeah. Because we know zombies have been shot and they yeah. didn't die. Like they stopped moving for a while, but didn't die. Right. Like we don't, we don't know what the rules are. So Angela, the uh, reporter, is freaking out. And she's like, she bit me, she bit me. And Manu has to literally be like, no, she didn't. You're going crazy. Yeah. We need to get up there. The lights go out. Pablo, the cameraman, is, you know, struggling, finally gets the spotlight on, and it literally just illuminates the Asian neighbor trying to attack Angela. Guys, this moment scared me so bad. It was (laughs) terrifying. And I knew it was going to happen. It's one of those things that's like super telegraphed in the movie. I knew it was going to happen, but I was shook. I was so scary. Well, and then next, Manu sledgehammers her to death. Yeah. They get up to the apartment they need to get to. They go in. The TV is still on. There's no keys to be found. They go through conservatively every single drawer in this entire apartment. Yeah. Which is realistic, but annoying to watch. I know. It was. I (laughs) did sort of love, hate this part because I like that it was they had no idea where to look and eventually they found it there is sort of a middle ground i don't think that they hit with like what is long enough to make it seem realistic but what is too long to make an audience sit through and i feel like we were closer to the too long to make an audience sit through part absolutely but it did feel very realistic to me so like i I sort of love hated it but they do find a shitload of keys like it's a bunch of keys it's not just like the key they're looking for which i hate because later they guess right yeah they guess right immediately yeah and she screams when she finds the keys there's so many of them yeah (laughs) which i would be a little pissed about too knowing that time is going to be a factor at every stage of this you're like great i have to try literally 60 keys until i find the right one that sucks so they run out into the center stairwell and manu is gone and now a zombie because they peek over the stairwell and literally every floor has zombies it's terrifying all coming to get them this is my favorite shot of the film it was so scary so they get to the top floor and they get into an apartment just in time because the first key they try works magic thank god yeah that was the other thing i'm like you're gonna spend all this time looking for the keys but then they don't have to test more than one i mean had they had to try more than one they'd all be dead because the zombies were on a man and they barely close the door and lock it again before they start hitting the door i think i think this is when the cameraman should have died if he would have fought them valiantly off and been like come over here yeah. And then he like fights them and then and then she pulls the camera in and like lives. That would have been the good part for him to die. She could have then done the next section on her own. Yes. Because they come into this apartment, they close it, there's banging from the door outside, so there's clearly zombies right outside. He can't get the spotlight on because it's broken, and he eventually kind of gets it on. Yeah. And he's saying, it's okay. This apartment was locked up. We're going to be okay. But this looks like like a hoarder apartment for an ancient apothecary. There's chemistry <laughs> stuff everywhere. There's bottles everywhere. And it's pretty clear that this is patient zero, that yeah. this is where this shit started. But then they take a wild left turn and she's reading all of these newspaper articles and stuff on the walls that are basically claiming that this is possession and that that's what they're spreading, 
which is so bizarre. I sort of, okay, I do agree it's bizarre, but Paige, I sort of liked it because they don't know in this world what a zombie outbreak is. And if someone who is in the church is the first person to respond to it, I could definitely see why you would think that they're possessed and might take a wildly wrong approach to it, which is what happens here, right? What they should have done is had them seek medical treatment, but whatever. Like, I sort of like that we're dealing with also the stupidity of a man of the cloth assuming everything needs an exorcism, right? See, here's where I differ, because I feel like this movie tries to make the case that that is what's happening and that that is the case. I wildly disagree with that, but yeah, with the movie. I feel like... You could read it either way, but the fact that there was so much information that she discovers in this scene, this scene is basically just an exposition dump in the form of newspaper articles on the wall. Right. I agree with you, Paige, that he was supposed to put her down, but he was experimenting with like curing the exorcism via blood, and yes. then he, it escaped. It's, it's one of those things where I think the more realistic version is, Todd, what you've described, which is... This is a disease. It didn't get the proper treatment. But we also know from the articles that she was in a hospital and they like break her out of the hospital. Which is dumb. I mean, she belongs in the hospital, clearly. Well, and at this point, part of me is like, we didn't need any of this. I don't think we did either. Also, the uh, the speed at which they both read the articles and then relay that information to the camera, to us, the audience, is breakneck. It is insane. Well, and so here's the thing, because at this point I looked at how much time was left in this movie, because this movie is only 78 minutes long. Yeah, it's pretty short. At this point, she spends 10 minutes, more than 10% of this movie, 10 minutes just shouting at these news articles and it drove me (laughs) insane first of all there's the girl that they're looking at is clearly still in this apartment somewhere yes and now we're just waiting for her to come out secondly this is a whole bunch of exposition this introduces a whole new level that we didn't need I don't need to know how this virus got there. It's a zombie movie. It's kind of scarier if I don't know it. Yeah. And we've already given a plausible explanation where it's a dog, where this is a virus that has jumped from animal to person. Yes. So why do we have this extra exorcism thing that goes on forever and just serves to make us listen to her scream out news articles at us for 10 whole minutes i will agree that this felt like they were stretching for time but i was still very very scared during this time yeah i think this is the scariest part me too well because i would say at this point like on the scary scale i'm like way over five at this point you know and it's about to jump way up because when they are looking for a way out or whatever like I, i didn't understand they're on the top floor there's no way to get out of this building by continuing to go up yeah well so she walks past I I believe she walks into the string holding the attic door I think that's what happens no the attic door opens it just falls open well it does but when they close it back up there is a string and so I think that's how it opened that's fair but it does open all of a sudden and just the door opening scared the shit out of me oh yeah for sure it was so scary the attic door opens and he's like I'm gonna stick a camera up there and all I kept thinking was like The fuck you are. Close that shit. Nail that door shut. Run away. Absolutely. There is absolutely no reason to go up there. So he puts the camera up there and the camera pans literally all four sides. And I was like, once we get to side four, that's where the jump scare is going to be. Yep. And sure enough, there's another child up there. 
Yeah. Because that's not the woman we see later. We have no explanation for who this child is or why they're there. But it still scared the shit out of me. Like, I knew it was coming. Still scared the shit out of me. Absolutely. Yeah. And he pulls the camera back out. And the spotlight is now broken. Yeah, because it smacked it. At this point, we're going to get night vision. But here's what I don't understand. He does not look back at the tape to see what was up there. No. I mean, I wouldn't either. At this point, I'm running. Like, there's no reason to not run away. Yeah, I would just close that door and be like, we shouldn't go in the attic. Yeah, maybe the attic's not a great place for us right now, hon. So they turn on night vision, and he can now see an emaciated woman walking through the apartment. This shit is scary. That, That woman's design and implementation freaked me out i was literally covered her at chin like at my mouth level like shaking a little bit it was very scary see i wish they hadn't shown her at all at all i think it would have oh been scarier my. if they didn't show her because oh my God. once i saw her i was like oh that's clearly her that's the emaciated lady and we're just gonna walk watch her walk and bungle around in the dark she also can't see yeah and she literally just starts wrecking stuff in the apartment and she goes after the camera. She yeah. kills Pablo. With a hammer. She has a hammer for some reason. Yeah. The camera clatters to the ground. The reporter's still alive. And picks up the camera. I guess because it's the only way she could see where the thing was. Yeah. She turns it and sees the lady eating Pablo. She tries to run. Mm. She trips. She drops the camera facing her conveniently. And then this is the classic. She's looking at the camera. Yeah. Screaming, crying. And then she gets pulled out of frame into the yeah. darkness. Which, to be honest, here's what I wanted. Don't show the emaciated lady at all. Have the camera fall, have her find Pablo's body, and then cut to that last frame. So that we never know. We just know that there's somebody there. So sort of like the Blair Witch Project, right? Yes. So the Blair Witch Project, like, you just end with that guy staring at the wall? Yeah. Oh, that that image stuck with me for years like that was so scary but this movie i'll say like we do get to see a lot of the emaciated lady and that was scary as shit especially when she turned her face towards the camera and it was sort of elongated and it was just oh man it was so like i'm gonna call it creature design which may be not the right term for it because it's a person not a creature Uh, it's a zombie yeah they're playing it like a creature in my mind so like that's that's what i would call it i feel like it's really good but it really is an emaciated lady like it's oh jesus oh man it's so good and by good i mean scary as shit i hated this movie and i never want to see it again (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but that's That's the movie movie. roll credits yeah all right so what did you guys think now having seen it and talked about it i guess i just couldn't stop seeing ways that even with a small budget they could have made this movie better well it sounds to me like your idea at the end not showing the creature quote unquote or the old lady would have saved them money because that did take some special effects on some level probably mostly practical but still well and here's the thing if you want to keep the exorcism shit in we never need to see that we have already built in our mind that there is somebody there yes and that there's something there and the unknown of what's there i think is scarier than their creature design oh i mean that works in a lot of movies though like jaws the unknown is Mm -hmm. what's the scariest right Mm -hmm. so yeah i mean there is a lot of that in horror i kind of liked how they did it i kind of liked how the woman did it with like a a really extra possessed woman with a hammer who like looks really creepy. Oof, yeah. I mean, I kind of liked it. So for me, I mean, this is one of the scariest movies we've watched in a while. I was terrified. I do understand why people like it a lot and, and wanted us to watch it because it is very, very my type of scary. Like jump scares are really what get me. 
and there were a lot of what I'll call effective jump scares. Like they really scared me. I do yeah. think a lot of them were cheap and very telegraphed, but that does not matter. It still scares the crap out of me. So I understand why they wanted me to watch this movie, you know, but I never want to watch this again. If you like jump scares, I get why you like it, but I hated this movie, which I guess is a compliment to a horror movie because it's, it really scared me. I think there's scarier found footage movies. Oh, I think so too. I, I mean, I, I think Blair Witch Project, and maybe this is because I saw it in the theater when I was trying to be like, you know, like really cool on a date with this girl. I had like this huge crush on in high school, but like that movie scared the shit out of me. Like I literally, I ran back to her Jeep after that because <laughs> I was terrified. She drove. It was like around that age where I didn't have a car yet because mm. I grew up poor, you know, mm. can't believe, uh, can't believe you didn't get a second date. <laughs> So it did make me want to watch Quarantine because I remember seeing the trailer for Quarantine and being like, holy shit, this looks terrifying. All right. Well, Paige, do you have some fun facts for us? I do have fun facts for us. All right. Hit us with those fun facts. All right. Like I kind of mentioned throughout the episode, the actors were never given the full script. And so none of them knew what happened to their characters until the day they were actually filming their scenes. And even then they were largely given outlines and a lot of their lines are improv. Um, but this also means that they, because they never knew what day they were going to die, it kept them kind of stressed out on the day of filming. <laughs> and the director wanted that. I mean, I think that comes through. I could sort of yeah. see that. So the reporter is actually a TV presenter in Spain. So that's her real job. The entire movie was made and shot in actual locations. There were no sets built. So this is a real oh, apartment cool. building. But I think they only had access to that one apartment. That would make sense. And maybe that one other one. And I think that's why that's all we see. Yeah. They deliberately chose unknown actors to make them seem realistic. Now, here's something crazy. This was filmed chronologically. What? Which never happened. If you don't know a lot about movies, movies are almost never filmed chronologically because it's actually more expensive yeah. to film chronologically because if you have to redress the same set multiple times, and in this case, a real location, that means they needed access to those locations for longer Yeah, because they would have had to go back and forth to them. I would say in single location movies like this is more or less single location movies, right? It's easier to do that because it is just one location, but you have to redress that same scene every time. So like if they had to shoot the guy falling and the blood hitting the floor, they would have had to clean all that up, take yeah. the dummy up again, drop it again. And that would take mm -hmm. an hour every time yeah. they wanted to reshoot it. So that's why like that's insane to me. But I mean, I think it's a little easier to do it in one location. Oddly enough. That scene, I think, only got filmed once. I think it's one take. I'll get to it in a sec. Now, this movie is supposedly one of the major inspirations for the video game Outlast. Oh, yeah. I've played Outlast. When I was uh, streaming on Twitch full time, they, that's one of the games they made me play. And it is super scary, man. I fucking yeah. hated that game. So this movie was also not supposed to be a movie. It was supposed to just be direct to video. And oh, oh. in America, that was the case. The DVD for the film wasn't released until after Quarantine came out and after the sequel, Wreck 2, had been confirmed. So um, originally, they thought about having it be policemen instead of firemen, and they decided to go with firemen because they're more popular. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, and specifically, um, because this was made in 2007, 
yeah. they thought firemen were more popular in America because of 9-11. And so they went with firemen. Yeah, I could sort of see that. One of the makers of the film, Paco Plaza, who worked on the film, had Chinese neighbors that never closed their door. Oh, my God. So he Uh-oh. is just racist. And that's why it got written into the movies. Mm-hmm. Oh, Jesus. Okay. Uh, one of the working titles for this movie was Duration 7 Minutes, 70 Minutes, meaning that the movie is supposed to be in real time. Ah, okay. Which is really interesting. This kind of got buried by other movies that came out around it, though, because it came out this uh, just a year after Zombie Diaries and the same year as Diary of the Dead. Mm. It is based on a real Spanish TV show, the, like, While You Were Sleeping. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it's called... I think it's just While You're Sleeping, not While You Were Sleeping. That's the Sandra <laughs> Bullock movie again, yeah. It's based on a, a show uh, called Equipo. Oh, I've been called that before. <laughs> so while filming the scene when the fireman falls down the stairs, they didn't tell any of the actors that was going to happen. So the reactions are the real reactions of the actors themselves, <laughs> thinking that it is an actual person oh falling through the stairwell. They do a great job acting in that scene. So that makes sense to me. The closing section, the last section of the movie that was filmed in night vision, were shot in complete darkness with a night vision camera, and the actors had no idea that was taking what was taking place, so they couldn't see. And I believe that the emaciated woman is computer generated. I don't think she's actually there. Okay. So they filmed this without seeing her. So essentially they filmed the version of the ending that I want. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I I will say for just a TV presenter, she does a pretty decent job acting in that scene because I do believe she's terrified, right? Yeah. They apparently found out right around the time that they released Wreck 2 that there's actually a statue on the top of that building depicting a woman being dragged by a monstrous creature by her foot, which is very similar to the final scene of the film. They didn't know that going into it? Apparently not. That's a crazy coincidence. Yeah. They tried to market it the same way as Blair Witch Project. Where they told everyone it was real? Yes. And they used footage from uh, Jennifer, the young girl, can be seen holding a Nokia N95 smartphone. And so they let her film a bunch of stuff and used that with additional footage that they filmed of her family in the building in daylight. Uh huh. And it reveals that Angela continues to report from that camera in like an alternate ending. Oh, Angela's the reporter. Sorry. The reporter. Gotcha. But that ends up not being in the final cut of the movie. Several of the zombies makeup details can't be seen because of the shaky camera. Yeah. And they had actually done extensive makeup. In one case, they actually had a fake ear on the policeman who gets bit on the neck. Yeah. So like they went to all the trouble of putting like a whole prosthetic on and then you just can't even see it. <laughs> the alternate ending has Angela making it out of the attic and being attacked by the old lady. Another alternate ending has her coming downstairs in the dark trying to make it through the infected residence because much like Train to Busan, they are only active in the light. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So in the dark, she tries to make it through them while they're in like a numb state. Yeah. And then she's killed by one of them. Uh, Apparently, they liked that so much that they used it in Wreck 3. Spoilers. Yeah. Spoiler. Which in Wreck 3, they basically confirm that, yes, the exorcism part is part of the zombie virus. And they are able to paralyze the zombies with a priest's prayers. 
Oh, weird. Okay. Yeah. So that's, I mean, once I found that out, I was like, I, now I'm extra mad that they put the exorcism stuff in because that's just dumb. <laughs> <laughs> it is weird. I'll say that. It's very, very strange. So those are my fun facts. Well, thank you for your fun facts. Mm-hmm. So yeah, let's uh, talk box office, guys. What do you think the budget for this movie was? I think this movie cost maybe $10 million. Okay. Mike, do you want to take a guess? Two, two million. Ooh, Mikey, you ready for this? Yeah. $2.1 million. Damn. Yeah, very, very close. Great, great guess. It did not, as Paige said in her fun facts, get a U.S. release, but internationally it made $23.2 million. So it still did really well. Like $23 million on a $2.1 million budget is great. Well, and also consider that it's 78 minutes long, which in America is not typically long enough for a theatrical release. No, and honestly, you could have cut it down to a Black Mirror episode if you would cut out a lot of the, you know, showing and telling parts. I think I could cut this down to 45 minutes, yes. Yeah, and it would probably be tighter paced and scary AF. Yeah. But there's not a whole lot of information for box office because it didn't get a theatrical release in the U.S. And the site that I use doesn't show like opening weekends if it doesn't. So I've only got that information but it did really well it did very very well and i'm sure honestly it's done really well on dvd and blu-ray because that was released in the u.s and a lot of horror people really love this movie yeah so i'm sure it's done very well in the horror community yeah but that's box office so mikey do you want to hit him with that scary scale yeah let's do scary scale scary scale listeners is a scale of one to ten of how scared we were when we watched the film today Mm -hmm. our one example is ghostbusters and our ten example is texas chainsaw massacre mikey can i just say i'm so proud of you at how much better you are at doing the scary scale it only (laughs) took like six weeks but you nailed it it was was one take i love it all right thank you (laughs) i heard you mentally process I can't tell if that's a dig or he's actually <laughs> complimenting me. No, I, I'm, I'm going to take it as a dig. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Paige, uh, what, what are you going to give it, I think? I think I'm going to give this around like a two and a half to a three. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Okay. The only reason I'm going to give it a three is for those effective jump scares. If those <sighs> jump scares weren't there, this is a one for me. Shit. Wow. Oh, man. All right, Todd. I'm going to give it an eight. An eight? Really? Yeah. It scared the shit out of me, guys. It's funny because right when they get into the attic is where my girlfriend was like, uh, I can't stay awake. I'm falling asleep. <laughs> and that was where I was like holding my hands were under my blanket, but it was at my like chin. And I was like scared. I was like shaking scared <laughs> for like the last 20 minutes. It was so scary. I can't believe you gave it a three page. I, I was bored through most of this movie. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> I don't feel attacked by that. I mean, different things scare different people, and I I totally get that. This is just my, like, kryptonite type of movie. Mikey, what do you give it? I'm going to give it a four. Okay. Man, our listeners just really know what scares me, and they hate me, so they, you know, like to see me tortured. Fair enough. (laughs) This movie frustrated me so badly, I think it prevented me from being scared. You mean, like, from a production standpoint? And a writing standpoint, yes, where I was like, this is so poorly made, it is frustrating. I'll say this, too, because Natalie's a working actress. She's been in, like, Lifetime movies and stuff like that. Like, she's Mm -hmm. an actress. So she's been on set, like, these very big production sets, like, sets that are more expensive productions than the movie we just did, right? So she is not bothered at all by scary movies because she's breaking it down by, oh, this is how they got that shot and stuff like that. And I don't do that. I'm, like, in the moment and I, like, believe it's real and, like, it just scares me, scares me, scares me. And I think because you have that film school background page, you sort of do the same thing and it's not as scary. 
I think different things scare me. Like, what was your rating for Hereditary? I mean, Hereditary is my 10. I think okay. that night, because it was the third movie we had done, I gave it a 9 because I hadn't seen Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And that mm. was like the 10. But there is no movie that has been scary as Hereditary for me. I would rank Hereditary pretty high. Yeah, I'd rank it higher than this. Oh, definitely. And I think the things that get to me more in horror movies, and it's why I think I mentioned it in the Facebook group this week, exorcism movies really bother me. Mm. And so I think for me, it's the knowledge of people being actually tortured mentally or emotionally really right. gets to me. Yeah. And so. Oh, yeah. It's like dating. Yeah. <laughs> well, like dating you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime you blur the lines between is this real or is this all in someone's head, that really messes with me. Um, but things like a simple jump scare or gore is not going to get me. I, I watched the first Hostel without flinching. Oh, so. man. Oh, yeah. Jesus. Okay, sorry. You're just a different kind of person. I, I mean, like, you're stronger than I am is all I'm saying. Like, I cannot handle this shit. I have watched Old Boy and not looked away. And that doesn't mean anything to you, Todd, <laughs> but it probably means some things to everyone else listening to this. So this week, the listeners made me watch Wreck. What are you guys making me watch next week? Paige and I had a fun discussion last week. Oh, we yeah? decided to make October sequels month. Yes. Oh, nice. Okay, so what are we starting with for sequels month? We're going to do Evil Dead 2. Oh, nice. Okay, cool. So we've actually done an episode on the remake of Evil Dead, but we have not done the original Evil Dead movie. Is that a requirement to understand what goes on in Evil Dead 2? It is absolutely not. Uh, okay, effectively, good. when Sam Raimi made Evil Dead and then subsequently made Evil Dead 2, in large part, Evil Dead 2 is him trying to remake Evil Dead 1 and make it better. Oh, um, okay. <laughs> so there are actually story points that are going to get repeated in oh. Evil Dead 2. So okay. even if you have not seen Evil Dead 1, you could definitely watch Evil Dead 2. Um, we should eventually go back and do Evil Dead 1 just sure. for completionist's sake. Oh, I love completing. But you should be fine watching Evil Dead 2. All right, guys. Well, make sure you watch Evil Dead 2 for next week when we start our sequel month. Yay. That's fun. I'm actually really excited about that. I'm so excited for sequel month. It's going to be so much fun. So, Mikey, do you have a review for us to read? Yeah. So before you read that review, let me tell them how they can have their review read on the podcast. And that is simply to leave us a five star text review on Apple iTunes and, you know, leave a little text, something for Mikey to like sink his teeth in and have a little fun with. And that way we can have a little fun while Mikey reads your ridiculous five star review. Mikey, you ready? God, we had a ton of reviews this week. Yeah, we honestly, guys, like five weeks ago, we had 380 something reviews and we are almost at 500. So all the new listeners, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for being here and listening and leaving us reviews. It really, really helps. So thank you, guys. Please continue. <laughs> Uh-oh, Mikey. Mikey, what'd you find? I've got the review. It's long, but I think it'll be fine. <laughs> I'm so excited right now. Dave Dobbs says confederate alt history review oh <laughs> someone listens to our conjuring 2 episode <laughs> he says mikey has to read this in confederate soldier communicating his last letter through a ouija board good luck sir <laughs> <laughs> oh my god my dearest agnes <laughs> is that really how it starts <laughs> yes! oh my god that's amazing oh yes <laughs> my dearest agnes <laughs> 
please accept my sincerest apologies for waiting so long to write. <laughs> the war wages on, but I fear we've been distracted by the by the honest discovery. We've intercepted this strange new technology in our battle with the North, and my dear, it seems that all hope is lost. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Are we to understand within the world of this review that not only has somehow the advent of podcasting time traveled to the Civil War, but yes. that it is in fact responsible for the South losing? Yes. <laughs> okay, continue. They have developed these newfangled contraptions that they call cellular telephone. <laughs> Wow. Would have, would have helped. Could have gotten supplies there quicker. I know, right? No one is entirely sure how they work, but by God, the communications found within these devices will make you fall to your knees in shock and horror. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. It keeps going. Speak, speaking of horror, one of the communiques seemed to originate from a group of Yankee spies. Communiques? <laughs> I like that we were called Yankee spies. <laughs> <laughs> Located somewhere below the Mason-Dixon line. <laughs> <laughs> they speak uh. of moving pictures filled with terrible things. Spirits and horrors from which the mind cannot begin to fathom. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> These men, known only as Todd and Mikey, <laughs> as well as their female companion, Paige, <laughs> speak of these horrors with such carefree levity as if scoffing in the face of the devil himself. <laughs> oh! <laughs> Could it be that they've made some pact with Satan to ensure the North's victory? <laughs> Sure, 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 sure. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. <laughs> Dearly beloved, I feel the end is very fucking nigh. <laughs> oh, oh, hell my yeah. Thank Not only for the South and the Confederacy, but for humanity as well. <laughs> Forgive me again, my love, for cutting this missive short. But the men are screaming of some flying machine spitting fire on our ranks in the front line. Oh, my God. It's Flamecopter. Oh, my God. God. He wrote Flamecopter into his review. God help us all. <laughs> I love that Flamecopter is now responsible for the South losing the Civil Holy War. Shit. Uh, and then, then non-Confederate letter style, he says, seriously, though, five stars. I cannot begin to convey how amazing... This podcast is. I love the host, the guests, and the rest of the amazing community these people have built with my whole heart. Thank you guys so much for the hours upon hours of amazing content. Five stars. That is an amazing. Who was that again? That was an amazing. Bill review. Compton. That's who it was. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was Ken Burns. Dave Dobbs. Dave Dobbs, you're the man. Thank you so oh much God. for that amazing <laughs> review. review. I did not read the whole thing as I was going through it, so stuff would just come up and be so funny. Oh, that's amazing. Thank you so much, guys. And if you want to put that much effort into your review, we encourage you to leave us a five-star review on Apple iTunes so we can read it and have a little fun. So we are a member of the Consequence Podcast Network, so if you would, please check out all of their great shows and their website at consequenceofsound.net. Uh, and if you want to check out our website, it's at 
HorrorVirgin.com, where you can get links to the merch store and a lot of great stuff there. Uh, and if you want to help financially support the show, please do by going to Patreon.com slash HorrorVirgin, where you can get a lot of great levels and a lot of great perks, hours and hours of bonus content, hours and hours of bonus uh, episodes, ad-free director's cut of the regular Monday episode drops that you actually get on Sunday. A lot of great stuff. And we actually just opened up 10 more burn it down level spot so if you've been wanting that weekly shout out but it had been sold out for over a year get on it now because there are 10 more spots and they will probably go pretty quickly but if you want to follow us all on socials please do we are at horror virgin page is at rampage wesley on instagram and tiktok if tiktok still exists yeah if tiktok still exists at the time this drops uh she's also at page wesley on twitter Mikey is at M Randolph 24 on all the socials. And I am at Todd J awesome. If you really like the lineup of the show currently and would love to hear us talk about another kind of movies, maybe like romantic or romantic comedy type movies, check out our romantic podcast on romantic movies, romancing the pod. Mm -hmm. I think I said romancing way too much in that sentence, but you guys catch the drift. Check that out. It, it drops every Thursday. And we just did an episode on 50 shades of gray that you have to listen to because it's amazing. This episode was brought to you by Nick B. Nick B. Fun fact. Oh, when yeah. He uh, was on leave when he was a sailor in His Majesty's Secret Service Navy. Oh, he was not just in the Navy. He was in Her Majesty's Secret Service Navy. Uh-huh. He took Officer B with him on leave to Spain. Oh, that makes sense. A little R&R. And then Officer B, like, bit a little girl, and they, they, like, destroyed a whole building there. I'm not really sure what happened. Was but. Officer B infected with some sort of zombie virus? You know what? I'm not one to say. <laughs> also, maybe ate some chocolate. Either or, really. <laughs> it was a chocolate cruci crucifix, so it cured him. <laughs> the power of Christ and cocoa bean compels you. <laughs> this episode also brought to you by... Ori. Ori. So Ori, I don't know if we've talked about this before, but Ori is a health officer and she uh, recently had, was called into a building that was quarantined because of a zombie outbreak. And she volunteered to go inside and try and give them all injections to cure them. But mm. from what I understand, she's going to be fine. They're still there, though. I don't know. They've been there for a few days. Thank you, Ori, for doing the work that you do to keep us all safe <laughs> from the zombie virus. We now return you to another episode of The, the Patrioticals. This is a very special episode. Oh, okay. Are we all going to learn something about racism or sexual abuse or drugs or something like that? All three. Oh, no, Mikey. All right. The relationship <laughs> headed to Sweden because that's what the submarine told them to do. Right. They set sail. It's not a sailing boat. It's like a motor. It's a cruise liner. But yeah. don't you still say set sail? They set sail? I don't think that Kate was out there like literally setting up sails on this motored boat. Technically, I guess she could just move them with her telekinesis powers. She could. She could fly them there. But no, she's, you know, she's busy doing other things. That's a great idea. So when they get to Sweden, Kate just takes the boat out of the water and flies it to where they need to go. Where in Sweden did they need to go? Orgaborka. Oh, no. Oh, my God. The famed city of Orgaborka. <laughs> yeah. Home of the, the Swedish chef. Uh -huh. <laughs> oh. Yes, it's from the Swedish chef. It's also where they filmed Swedish Casablanca. Here's looking at you, Orca Borka. <laughs> Horga's Orga Borkering at Yuga Borka. <laughs> Ancestral home of Ikea. <laughs> okay, okay, we're getting off track. That's fine. Yeah, we are. Okay, so the ship lands. They're like, 
why the the submarine tell us to go here? And like Sweden was like not affected by the Sunny D virus, basically, and is under complete control by the Illuminati. So all these people gather around, and some of them like it's some robot guards, Illuminati robot guards, and uh, they're like, "You guys need to wait here or whatever." So then, uh, interesting. This guy dressed like the Swedish chef. Oh no! Yeah. Well, he just looks like him. He's not like in costume. Oh, okay. But he doesn't look like a Muppet. He looks like Matt. Oh no, it's Matt. It is. It's Matt. He's bringing his own Swedish fun fact this week. Yes. Matt's is like, you shouldn't have came here. And they're like, we know you're a member of the Illuminati. Like, Matt, that's what Matthew says. He's like, we know, like, the crashed Illuminati sub in the Bahamas told us that you're a member. And he's like, like, now that you know that, I have to kill you guys. <laughs> that sucks. I mean, that makes sense. I'm hoping no one finds out I'm a member of the Illuminati. Never mind. So, uh, like, Tristan's with him, the robot, and he uses his robot gun arm like Mega Man. And just tries to shoot him real quick. And uh, Swedish chef Matt just throws a like a wooden spoon at him. Oh, and nails no. in his chest. Oh, no. And flies back. He has like super strength and, and weaponized kitchen utensils. Weaponized kitchen utensils. You went with spoon when knives are in kitchens. <laughs> that to me is amazing. <laughs> but I mean, listen. If I learned anything from Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, it's that you should use a spoon, you twit. It'll hurt more. He threw it so hard and impaled him. It's supposed to show you guys how strong Matt's is. It's a storytelling technique. I mean, yeah. (laughs) He truly is the master chef. Oh, yes. And since there's regular people trying to kill them, too, Isaac is like, finally. And he just starts eating a bunch of random sweets. <laughs> I forgot Isaac is a cannibal. Like, that is something that he has been sleeping on for episodes. He has been doing so good with it. But these guys are evil, so he was like, fine, finally. Yeah, he had like six months on the wagon, but now he is off. Uh-huh. And uh, <laughs> so Eddie calls on the Swedish wolves to aid them in battle, like Aragon or whatever. And a bunch of wolves come and start attacking the robots and people. It's a big... There's so much fighting going on in Orca Borga, Sweden about this. And then... Uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Here's the rough part about eating Swedish people. You gotta put them together first. <laughs> oh, I thought you were gonna say how sweet their meatballs are. Mmm, uh, <laughs> <laughs> lingonberry. Ooh. <laughs> Rune punches one guy in the face because he wanted to try it out. But then he hurt his <laughs> hurt his hand and ran back to the relationship. He wanted to try it out. Because he's an alien page. Aliens can <laughs> punch people. Didn't he run like a fight club at Moonderdome? Yeah, he didn't run it. He's a, he was like the television show host. He's Stanley Tucci in Hunger Games. He's that guy. Oh, yeah. Ooh. That's exactly what he's like. Yeah. But blue. He's blue skin. The Tooch is loose. The Tooch is loose. And he's got that same pink hair, like old, but like a George Washington wig. <laughs> Jealous. So he's climbed up back on the relationship and is crying because he hurt his hand. Aw, Karoon. Kate's killing a bunch of people and she pins down uh, Matt's, the Swedish chef guy. Oh, yeah. And uh, him, her and Matthew are like, hey, like, how do we stop Chippendale? <laughs> so, oh, and then uh, Matt's was like, he's throwing KitchenAid uh, mixers at people and stuff and killing oh, that them. That would hurt. Yeah, it yeah. Would. And then he uh, he really hurts um, Eddie. He like throws a um, a strainer at him. A strainer? Uh huh. Okay. And uh, hits him in the foot, and he can't walk. He's like shred- his foot's like shredded up real bad. He's got a strained ankle. A strained ankle. I love it. Okay, <laughs> nice. I see where you went with that. That's great. So Kate finally pins him down. <laughs> 
he's like, you know, Ch- Chippendale's weakness is uh, they're, there's a, they're deep in an underground bunker with the remnants of the American government in the <laughs> North Dakota, America. In the but- North Dakota, America. <laughs> and the South Africa and the such as <laughs> and <laughs> Americans. Okay, so anyway, uh, Matt's is like, if you kill me, all of Sweden blows up because I have a kill switch on my heart. All of Sweden? <laughs> yeah. That's a yeah. bit too much, I think. That's that's way overdoing it. That's exactly what Matthew told him. Wow. And he was like, fuck you, bro. <laughs> so anyway, Kate pulls his fingers off one by one with telekinesis. Oh. And then Isaac eats them. And then he finally tells him the code to get into the bunker. You just see Kate ripping them off with her mind powers. And then Isaac is just, just picking them up on the floor, like eating them like chicken wings. <laughs> like, what's <Yeah>. next? <laughs> He's yeah. really excited about being able to eat people again. <laughs> then Kate just gets extra angry. And um, she takes the spoon out of Tristam. Yeah. And then she uh, carves his heart out with it because that's where the kill switch is. Oh, God. And it, and it like looks... It looks like eating cereal, but really disgusting. <laughs> then Tristan was like, I need a heart. So he like puts the heart in the hole of the spoon left. Oh and my Tristan is keeping the God. heart beating inside his cybernetic body. He's like the Tin Man at the end of Wizard of Oz. Yeah. So at the end, they he connects back to the relationship. And then uh, Kate makes the fly back into the ocean. And they're headed back to America. The end. Oh, my God. For this week. Will Isaac go back to his old cannibal ways? Will the information Matt's gave our heroes help stop the Illuminati? Will Mikey, like Tristam, finally learn how to love? Find out next week <laughs> on another episode of The, the Patreonicals. That's it for us this week, guys. I'm Paige. I'm Mikey. And I'm your horror virgin Todd, guys. Keep it spooky. <laughs> yes, uh, yes, you did you it! Got it! Oh. Keep it ooky spooky. Have a great week! <laughs> Bye! Exorcism nerds. Still would have punted that kid. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs>